welcome and you are listening to another episode of the Deaf Dispatch Podcast where we review publications from the social change and global development sector. On this episode, we are very excited to introduce you to the 2020 World Youth Report. The report focuses on youth social entrepreneurship and the 2030 agenda. My name is Cynthia and I am your host for this session. And to review this publication, we'll be joined by two special guests who will be introducing themselves in a minute. The report is a flagship publication of the Department of Economic and Social Affairs of the United Nations Secretariat. It is quite a read with 148 pages, but it is presented in five chapters covering the fundamentals of social entrepreneurship, situational analysis of youth development and participation, potential and challenges of youth social entrepreneurship, technology and youth social entrepreneurship, and finally, it provides recommendations for establishing a youth social entrepreneurship ecosystem. First of all, I have to welcome both of you, and I'd like to say thank you to both of you for agreeing to participate in this episode of the Dev Dispatch podcast. On this episode, we are looking to review the 2020 World Youth Report, which focuses on youth social entrepreneurship and the 2030 agenda. This report that we're reviewing today is a flagship publication of the United Nations Department for Economic and Social Affairs, and the report itself is prepared by the Division for Inclusive Social Development. For our review of this report, we have two guests with us today, Violet from Rwanda and Emmanuel from Ghana, and I'll allow them to introduce themselves. So, Violet, we'll go with you first. Hi, my name is Violet Oamutara, and I'm the Regional Advisor and Country Director for Digital Opportunity Trust. We're headquartered in Ottawa, Canada, with offices in Africa and the Middle East. Basically, Digital Opportunity Trust is a youth-led movement of young, daring, social innovators who have tools, knowledge, and networks to create opportunities and transform their communities. We basically support the young people to become innovators and leaders who create and apply digital solutions that have positive impact in their communities. Thank you very much. A good afternoon from Ghana. Uh, my name I am the executive director for Youth Advocates Ghana and also the convener for the African Youth SDG Summit. Youth Advocates Ghana is a national youth development organization focusing on empowering young people to play active roles in our national development efforts. Over the past few years, we have also been very active in the area of the sustainable development goals, trying to organize and mobilize African youth to turn their energies and creativity towards the implementation of the SDGs in Africa. Thank you both so much for being here. And with both your backgrounds, I look forward to a very, very engaging discussion on this report. Then my first question for you two would be your overall impression of the report in terms of the content, the layout, the coverage of the report. What is your first impression of this report? For me, I think it was 
perfect timing for the report. I think now more than ever, the need and the presence of the social entrepreneurs has been felt, especially now with the COVID pandemic and especially how it's affecting the most vulnerable and also how it's amplifying the youth employment challenge. So I thought the book came right on time and it was very exciting to see how the young social entrepreneurs are at the forefront tackling the COVID challenge in their communities with numerous grassroots initiatives and social enterprises. I love the layout, the subject matter and very rich insight. Right. I totally agree with my colleague. I think that the report is an interesting report highlighting the emerging issue around social entrepreneurship vis-a-vis the sustainable development goals, which is now a global agenda for every nation. So for me, I think that from the layout, the content and the perspective that the report brought to fore is something that really represents uh, the current I agree totally with both of you about the timeliness of the report, as well as the coverage of the report. And I think one of my favorite things is in chapter two, there's a lot of comparative statistics in that chapter comparing youth unemployment and youth NEET, which is not in education, employment or training, comparing those statistics against other elements like inequality, against elements like peace or the World Bank's ease of doing business. I find that chapter quite interesting, you know, looking at that comparison and the trends between these two elements. I'd like us to switch gears and talk about the purpose of this report, which in the report, it says it wants to add to the existing knowledge of social entrepreneurship as a vehicle for youth development and the 2030 SDGs. My question to you both would be, if you look at that purpose or that objective of this report, do you think that that has come across in the report in terms of the content of the report? And if so, if you can share with us why. I think the report is really excellent. It's detailed and it's informative. I loved the system thinking approach to youth social entrepreneurship and how it can both support youth development and help accelerate the implementation of the SDGs. I really liked the in-depth genesis and the citizens on the ongoing debate about social entrepreneurship. Also, the SWOT analysis, very important how social entrepreneurship is going to contribute to the 2030 agenda, but also to the whole youth development element, the power of technology, but also the realization of the digital divide that does exist. And of course, the other excellent part was the policy guidance and the needed what they call effective entrepreneurial ecosystems, which need to be in place so that we can all leverage the full potential of these young entrepreneurs to advance the 2030 agenda. However, I would have loved to see more content in terms of how do we deal with the whole notion of the appropriate financing when it comes to social entrepreneurs and also the whole element of digital inclusion. Yes, they talked briefly about the digital divide, but I would have to love to have heard how they would deal with the digital inclusion and particular the, the gender digital divide. They talked about the fourth industrial revolution. However, the big challenge is that we are all not on the same trajectory where the new technologies are concerned. 
Whilst I agree absolutely with my colleague on the point that she has raised, there were two important issues that I thought were missing in the report. First and foremost, as we know, national governments are the big contributors to youth employment. And at the same time, they are also the financiers of major youth development interventions. So the report highlighted the fact that social entrepreneurship is emerging as an important sector to address the increasing rate of youth unemployment. In my view, it will have been more interesting for the research to highlight how national governments, especially in Africa, see social entrepreneurs and what systematic and pragmatic approaches they are putting in place to support youth entrepreneurs in Africa. I will say for a fact that there are some attempts at a governmental level to leverage on social entrepreneurship. For example, in Ghana, the government has set up what we call the Ministry for Special Development Initiative. And one of the mandates of that ministry is focusing on supporting social entrepreneurs. So this is one aspect I felt was missing, that if the report were to uh, uh, zoom into country perspective, a particular looking at what national governments are doing to support social entrepreneurs, I think that that would have been more and more interesting. The second thing that I also feel missing, and Violet mentioned that already, is the issue about financing or funding social entrepreneurs. Indeed, the report alluded to the fact that the biggest challenges for social entrepreneurs were funding to either scale up their businesses or to improve upon the kind of innovations that they are coming up with. What is not clear is that who are the big financiers of social entrepreneurs around the world, and particularly in Africa? What is the current funding gap? And are we getting funding from government or from private corporations, where are we getting this type of funding for? This is my view. Two things that I saw that even though the, the report touched a bit on it, it was not too clear to what extent our national government has contributed to the uh, social entrepreneurs and what kind of funding or what are the gaps or, and what are the opportunities for social entrepreneurs to tap into the funding system in Africa. Since both of you have touched on the funding part, one of the things that the report highlights a couple of times is that social entrepreneurship can attract commercial investment as well as non-profit funding. So the availability of funding, it's quite broad. But then at the same time, it also says that the social entrepreneurs have difficulty in accessing these fundings that are available. What do you make of this assertion that in as much as there is this availability of funding from different spaces, the access to these fundings is quite difficult. I think it's very important to recognize that it's very different depending on the country context. But the key thing is more about the, the legal status and related regulatory requirements which allow social enterprises, which is a fusion of both NGO and traditional business, so that whole nature of this hybrid allows it to tap into both the funds for NGOs and also the commercial investments. However, we continue to see that the young social entrepreneurs, especially in their early stages, they are really struggling to convince the funders and the investors to back their businesses. I think we have about two solutions. I think one is the financial criteria and the models that the funders and investors are using. I think they need to evolve and to be reviewed. 
so that they can consider the hybrid nature of the social entrepreneurship model when facilitating access to finance. And then for the young social entrepreneurs, it's very important for them to identify and learn how to navigate other potential sources of funding, e.g. microloans, crowdfunding, and also work on establishing banking history and securing capital so that they can start becoming more attractive to the lenders as they grow into their enterprises. Another important source of funding that we don't have to overlook is the issue of national funding. As I said in my previous submission, our national governments are the largest financial contributors to our development efforts. And invariably, they have the capacity to be able to lend as much money to social entrepreneurs, especially young social entrepreneurs. What, in my view and in my experience, when working with the young people, I've come across is that very often these funding that are available are very, very small. For instance, you are looking at an amount of less than 5,000 US dollars to a social enterprise. The enterprise may be already operating in the maybe two, three, four years already and is in need of a capital injection to be able to expand. But very often, it's very difficult to be able to attract commercial funding either from banks or from private lenders. And despite the availability or the interest of many social entrepreneurs to expand their business, very often, they do not have the guarantees to be able to access credit facilities from the bank. This is really one of the biggest challenges. A solution to that problem will be for us to leverage on government ability to raise capital to finance our development. How are they taking advantage of the fact that there are young people who are already taking initiatives? How can they make funding available to these groups so that they will be able to expand? So yes, government funding is critical besides the measure funding this is quite interesting because I think what I'm hearing from both of you is that there is the grants that come from the development sectors. Then there is the commercial investment that is also available. But then on a third stream of funding would be from the national budget in countries where supporting social entrepreneurship is a priority. I think Violet also raised that as well, that you have to look at country context when you're talking about some of these things. So I think we jumped the gun a little bit there because one of the earlier things I wanted to ask both of you is if you look at the report, there's a bit of a toggle in terms of how you define a social entrepreneurship. And I wanted to ask this, this is particular particularly for Violet, because she works in that space and you do support these young social entrepreneurs. How does DOT define social entrepreneurship? How does it define um, like an African social entrepreneur? What does that look like? It's very true, despite the trend and the growing enthusiasm for social enterprise, there is still a level of fuzziness in defining exactly what it is, what makes it different from the traditional business or an NGO, which is mainly due to, in part, the underdeveloped theoretical base as, as well as the strong influence on the surrounding context of the nature of the social entrepreneurship activities. You find that in most cases, the definition is going to stress upon, they call them three I's, impact, innovation, and income as key to any social enterprise. For me, I would define social enterprise as organizations that are registered as companies and have created new products or services that attempt to address a social issue and whose profits are reinvested back into the company to advance a social change agenda. Yes, it's very tricky. <laughs> it, is. it is. It is very complex. Emma, and what did you think? 
I would totally agree with you since you have a very rich experience working in that sector. Honestly, it was one of the questions that I was asking myself and defining what will I say. Maybe some key words that I was hoping to, uh, to see in the social entrepreneurship definition will be that the social entrepreneur is applying business model. It's not only chasing the problem in the community and trying to solve, yes. but so it's you- also looking what works in the business sector. Yeah, so it usually it's supposed to be a blend of impact and income. But of course, at the central also innovation. Let's talk about the African youth vis-a-vis a social entrepreneur, because the report highlights some of the profile of a social entrepreneur, looking at things like creativity, resilience, inspiration, risk tolerance, and action-oriented. So with both of you working within the youth space, <laughs> would you define our African youths using this same profile? If so, why? Yeah, we share some characteristics. But I'd like to add more. I would like to add patriotic, uh, problem solvers, passionate, connected, and the key being purpose-driven. The whole notion Mm. of uh, entrepreneurial spirit, which includes passion to solve problems, having an ability to identify market niche, and creativity to come up with solutions that overcome the barriers that they are facing. I think they're very similar, but I'd like to hear from Emmanuel. Well, I think that one of the most important observations working with the youth is the notable depth of energy, innovating creativity among the youth. Their resourcefulness and dynamism to drive their passion forward is something undeniable. And whilst I agree with the, the adjectives used in the report, I think that we should not forget about the fact that African youth are already resourceful in all its forms. If they aren't resourceful, they will not be in any way driving the kind of change that we are already seeing or even in the first place taking an initiative. So that kind of resourcefulness must be acknowledged and I think that is really important. Thank you, but if they had a choice to choose between commercial entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship, what do you think they would go for? I think for me, the key thing to understand is that youth journey is not linear. We tend to find them moving in and out. You find them then full employment, then they are back to self-employment. So they go in and out. So their journey is not linear. And the truth is we all can't be entrepreneurs. So what I think is required is for us to empower the youth and also have in place an enabling environment that is going to facilitate them to navigate the multiple pathways to youth employment and development. So for me, there is no one path. There are multiple pathways that the youth can take. So it's key that we put in place the enabling environment and we empower the young people to be able to pick which one, where to go. But if I'll talk about the relation between commercial and social enterprise, I think while the many young people want to earn income, I think the overwhelming majority, they would choose social entrepreneurship because it's addressing a social or an environmental concern for their community. But for me, there is no one part. The report is particular on the fact that majority of uh, social uh, entrepreneurs operate in the informal sector. Whereas that is true, we must understand what accounts for this. And I think from the report, it was clear that some regulatory frameworks will limit the ability of social entrepreneurs to transform their business operation into the formal sector. And doing so will take quite a lot of time and effort to formalize the business, get it registered, and get your product into the market, they get your product highly accepted in the big shops or in the commercial place. So those are key elements that will allow 
social entrepreneurship, formalize their business. If you do not have a legal framework that is supportive of this type of journey for young people, you will have many people operating in the informal sector. So issues about tax, for instance, is a problem. You are a startup, you just started operating within one or two years, and the government is after you chasing to collect taxes from you. These things make it really impossible to really build up your business, to formalize the structures, and to make them work within the format structure. So I think that, yes, there are opportunities. If we are able to overcome some of these structural and administrative bottlenecks, I think that we will have many social entrepreneurs fitting into the category of a format structure. That would be my, my opinion on yeah, I also do agree with Emmanuel. We, at the early stages, we find that some of the social entrepreneurs are what we call necessity-driven. So they're starting an enterprise as a way of gaining a livelihood in the face of unemployment. In addition, the lack of business know-how and also knowledge on how to navigate existing legal frameworks Plus also at the initial stages, not knowing how to develop a suitable business model as why most of the social enterprises at the beginning, they're very informal. However, with the established enterprise ecosystem, we're starting to see some of these informal enterprises becoming formal. While we're on the subject of barriers, this is covered in the report in Chapter 3 around the youth social entrepreneurship, the potential and challenges. And I wanted to get from both of you in your work on the continent, what you think are some of the barriers for African youth launching and sustaining social entrepreneurship? I think in terms of barriers, first of all, an enabling environment is a key determinant of success for social enterprises, including legal frameworks, support, finance, technology, to name a few. So for me, the key barriers include the demand for support is greater than the current supply of support. Here we're talking about lack of the needed social enterprise ecosystem support from supporting developing of these sustainable business models to access to incubators, accelerators, investors, seed funding, mentors, coaches, to name a few. We've talked about this, of course, lack of registration options for the hybrid nature of the social enterprise. You find in majority of our countries in Africa, they can either register as an NGO or as a full business, of course, there's the issue of financing gap and appropriate financing. And also, again, the other big challenge is that of digital divide. And especially with young women whose low levels of digital technology access prevents them from fully embracing the digital revolution to propel their enterprises forward. So for me, those are the four things. Digital divide, finances, lack of registration options, and the support ecosystem. If I'm to add to what Violet mentioned, I would say that places for mentorship and capacity building are also critical for the youth in order to further build and develop those academic experiences in order to prepare them for the job market or whatever venture they would like to pursue. So it is important that we have spaces that people can easily access to get support, to training to develop their skills further. Another thing that I think we probably may be overlooking has to do with the fact that despite the desire of the youth to explore social entrepreneurship, there remains a concerning gap between expectations and opportunities available. And one of the reasons for that is the fact that if you engage and interact with many young people in Africa, 
you will see that they express great deceits for the systemic corruption on the African continent. And that is really a big barrier. What it does is that it frustrates the hopes and aspirations of the youth. The government complains of no money, no funding for youth social entrepreneurs. And yet we hear about billions of dollars being siphoned individually. So these are critical challenges that, in my view, if we, we are to see the kind of change that we are looking for, we need to look at corruption. I want us to talk a bit more about the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Africa. But before we get to that, let's talk technology. Violet, I know this is a place where you have a lot of issues with the digital divides, but I think it's clear the digital divide, it's a big issue. But what I want us to discuss is how we can support young people to bridge this tech gap and be able to tap into the new technology. What would be some of your recommendations to trying to bridge this gap? We have to acknowledge that technology is an essential tool and an enabler for scaling up impact. And it's very exciting to see that young social entrepreneurs are integrating digital technology to innovate products and services, to market their enterprises, and to solve the reach and impact of their solutions. In our work, we have learned that digital competence most relevant to the youth varies widely by context, depending on the local opportunity, as well as the type of technologies that the youth have access to. And I think it's very important to have like an assessment to find out where the youth are as opposed to generalizing. But in terms of, of, of what is required, I think there are mainly two, having a strong multi-stakeholder coordination and collaboration. It's paramount. And we talk about stakeholders, we're talking about everybody, the government, the private sector, the telcos, the donors, name it all. The key is to see how do we work proactively so that we can bring everybody on board, especially the youth and those that are marginalized, to be able to address the digital divide and boost the, the digital adoption. Here we're talking about digital inclusion, and here it's about connecting the unconnected, those who are yet to be connected, and we talk about the last mile connectivity. We're talking about digital skills for all, from the bottom of the pyramid all the way to the very top. We're talking about affordable devices. It's very important. We're talking about the relevant local context so that people can appreciate. And of course, there is the digital innovation and entrepreneurship. The young people have to play a paramount role because they're the early adapters and they truly understand the new trends. For us, adults, we have what we call digital skills at scale model, where we are positioning the youth, the digital ambassadors, the digital champions as leaders of community and digital transformation in order to support employment and economic growth. No, absolutely. I know it's a topic you're very passionate about. And yes, you've done it justice. Emmanuel, would you like to come in here? Just to ask you where that in addition to what Wallace said, we also need to look at the cost of internet access and prohibiting internet regulations in some countries. We still normally restrict access to information and at the same time curtails innovation and dialogue among young people. Especially in the area of COVID-19, we want everybody to be connected. That is critical. The other thing also is we found, of course, the majority of the citizens, they tend to have what we call basic phones. But what's right. also very exciting is our young innovators have come up with innovative solutions, products that can be accessed 
using these basic phones, using the USSD. So, so it's very exciting as well. Even those who's, who don't have the smartphones, they can still fully appreciate technology. Right. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about the youth entrepreneurship ecosystem in Africa. Is there one? And if there is, what does it look like right uh, now? Again, it's always very tricky to generalize because countries are different because of the country context. But again, it's very exciting in the continent. We're very active and we're seeing a growing youth entrepreneur ecosystem and also there's an emerging entrepreneur support organization which is very exciting i think that will help us to fast track in terms of our entrepreneurship ecosystem it's also very exciting that some of the businesses majority of them they are in the market early stages and again we are seeing that some of them are already having an impact on job creation which underscores that entrepreneurship can really play a major role in economic development. When you look at some of the researchers, they talk about having no clear path or structure for entrepreneurs to access resources from these support entities because they tend to say that many support organizations tend to have the same services, but they brand them different. And I think one of the key challenges we have is we don't have one universal definition in terms of what does an accelerator mean or what does it have to do, what does an incubator do. And I think those can help to avoid having duplication, but also while we see a significant resources available for entrepreneurs at the startup and the market entry level, we see some challenges or lack of programs at the latter stages, which in a way is going to hinder business growth and potential to the later stages of our businesses. In my view, Violet is right, but I would like to say that it's loosely structured in the sense that interactions and exchanges across countries, and I'm speaking in terms of cross-border interactions and cross-border exchange of information and collaboration. This is evident in part due to governance and limited opportunities for exchange programs, bilateral youth events or programs within African countries. And one of the reasons also is that most often, our national government will enter into bilateral agreements without looking at how can they foster that kind of exchange. So you will see that even though a lot of things are happening, that kind of interaction and engagement, information sharing, yes, I agree that things are happening on the continent. But like I said, it is very, very loosely structured. The good news, however, for us is the fact that the launch of the African Continental Free Trade Program yes. will be a game changer if it is fully and adequately implemented. What this means is that for young people in Africa, they now have the opportunity to trade among themselves. They now have the opportunity to exchange information, to exchange trade uh, opportunities, and to collaborate on joint ventures. So these are some emerging opportunities that despite the unstructured form of engagement or ecosystem that we already have, if we leverage on the current African Union program, it will really, really be a game changer, so to say. I think also we have a very exciting initiative, which is known as the Youth Connect Africa. I don't know whether you've had it in your country right. as well, where those issues of collaboration, coordinating, but also supporting these young entrepreneurs, providing them different skills, financing, networks, and all that stuff. So I think this initiative is also going to play a huge role in terms of the growth of the young entrepreneurs. 
the Youth Connect Africa. Thank you both for that, because then what I'm hearing is the ecosystem is unstructured, but the African Continental Free Trade Agreement provides yeah. a possibility to sort of provide space for increased coordination and cooperation of young people, regardless of which country they are based in. And also from you, mm -hmm. Violet, there is a need for more research into this space and um, to sort of define some of the elements that come with entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship, like incubators and accelerators. And I think yeah. uh, that, that, yeah. that point is worth taking. For the youth to reach that level, I think the Youth Connect Africa is going to, to support them to reach them to the level where they can fully engage and benefit from the content of free trade. As we're winding down now, so I'd just like for both of you to sort of share with us maybe two or three takeaways from this report that's something new that you learned from reading or engaging with this report. And given that both of you work in the youth space and the youth social entrepreneurship and youth development space. I don't think I would say new, but for me, it's the re-emphasize, so to speak, the importance of the young social entrepreneurs requiring a broad system of support, the emphasis on the enabling environment, especially the legal framework for each country and how it's affecting the advancement of the social entrepreneurs, the resilience, which mainly referring to the social entrepreneurs' ability to attract and market their products, their ability to overcome the, the barriers and the challenges and for me, very important, again, it's the key part, which is technology. The importance of using technology to allow them to innovate for their products and services and to scale the reach of their impact and their solutions. I think that not so much new, but just the re-emphasis of what we already knew. And I think it's very important to keep talking about it. What they did very well is the in-depth analysis for me, which was very, very exciting. And the whole genesis of how it began, the different debates, I think I, I loved that a lot. And of course, the concluding paragraph, which is the recommendation in terms of policy formulation and the enabling environment that will allow this young social entrepreneur to excel as an alternative pathway to youth employment and youth development. The three main takeaways from the report will be that, by and large, you recognize the merits of social entrepreneurship and potential for making a living from employment focused on social development. Young people see social entrepreneurship as a way to create a job for themselves. The second thing that I also took from the report is the fact that young people are key beneficiaries of the 2030 agenda, but they are also actively engaged in the processes that support the implementation of sustainable development and its weighted target. So the importance of the youth contribution to achieving sustainable development is acknowledged within the international development community. And therefore, the failure of our decision makers to meaningfully engage young people and address the challenges they face can jeopardize efforts to achieve their ends. The last thing that I took from the report is that if youth social entrepreneurship is to realize its full potential and contribute optimally to the achievement of the SDG, it must be integrated into national development strategies and policies.
for these national strategies and policies to be cohesive and mutually reinforcing, they need to be developed collaboratively by diverse groups of stakeholders, including young people themselves. So these are my key takeaways from the report. Thank you very much. I would like to add, and I'm very excited that Emmanuel has mentioned it. We talk about nothing for youth without the youth. So it's very important that African youth voices matter and very important as well their meaningful engagement. When we talk about the youth voices, it's very important that the young social entrepreneurs' voices, which also represent that of their communities, need to be heard. They have to be at the decision-making table. We need to re-emphasize that, that youth have to be at the decision-making table because it has been evident that agenda will need to involve these young social entrepreneurs for it to be achieved. So for any decisions that are being made, be it locally, national, or globally, the youth have to be at the front and center. Having read this report or having engaged with this report, would this be a report that you would likely recommend to your colleagues or other actors who are working in the youth space or in the social entrepreneurship space? Is this a report that you think would be beneficial to their work, especially on the continent? Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's my response. Certainly for me too. I think it's really a very rich report. And yeah. personally, I have also taken some of it and I would be referencing it in some of my uh, writing. Good to know. So what about young people? Do you think this is a report that young people themselves should be able to engage with? Oh yeah. For our case, we have what we call Youth Leadership Advisory Board. And what we do is we put the youth at the center of our program design, community research, and organizational structure. And what we do is the young people, they have to go through all these resources which are out in terms of the social enterprise. And definitely, this is one of the key reports that I have recommended them. Because they also have to understand the different terms of social enterprise. What is it that other people are saying? Definitely the youth have to look at it here. I think we have come to the end of uh, this review. I'd like to thank both of you so much for making the time to read the report. It's 148 pages, so I know that, you know, you have to make time to, to, to actually read it. Oh, yeah, it but, was worth it. Yes, I think you did. Absolutely. Yeah, I thank think, thank I you think very you much. Did. You have been listening to a review and discussion of the 2020 World Youth Report on Youth Social Entrepreneurship and the 2030 Agenda. Special thanks goes to our guest, Violet Oamutara and Emmanuel Ametepe for joining me today for this review and discussion. Thank you to you, our lovely guests, for listening. And do subscribe and share your comments on the review and the discussions. Thank you. Until next time.